Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. So glad to be back with you after our summer celebration last week. I am your host, John Harris, joining me to start the show, and it's so good to see her. DP Sitter, DP, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Johnny. We're two weeks away. Oh, my goodness. Just a little over two weeks away before we depart for West Virginia. Oh. I feel like we're going to blink, and it's going to be here. And I, I can't wait. I'm actually really excited about this season. I am. I, yeah. I feel like we've been waiting for this season since in the middle of last season. Okay. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'm, as I as was the whole to... city once the entire roster seemed to land on injured reserve. Will you ever forget where you were when you found out Deshaun had been injured? I know I won't. I was I actually found out on Twitter. I well that's how I found right? out too. Cuz we but... saw him at practice that day. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought this is and I it was Ian Rappaport. I actually looked to make sure it wasn't the wrong one because right, I didn't right. believe it. And I had just shot a show with the Colts uh, media department. We had done sort of like a FaceTime mm-hmm. Skype sort of a show where we talked about Deshaun Watson. Andrew Luck had just gone on injured reserve yep. that day. Mm-hmm. So the whole show was about Deshaun Watson. And I know like all of our everything we were doing that week was centered around him because he was going to play Indianapolis. Yep. He just we did come off that Seattle game. And it just seemed so surreal. I think it took I, a few weeks for it to sink into everybody. That usually Thursday is a day, of all days during the season, Thursday is a day that I can I can get away and go run errands and do whatever because Saturdays and Sundays are just out during football season, like completely out. So Thursday I was, I was picking up my daughter from school and I was sitting in line. And I'll never forget, I saw the news, I checked the Twitter handle just to be sure, and I'm in my car screaming as I'm texting no, you, no. <laughs> you and Drew and Mark. Please tell me this isn't true. So I think from that moment forward, if you remember, going into that game, the Texans were a favorite over the Colts. They were. 14-point favorites That's right. in that game. And then all of a sudden by kickoff, it was like a one-point favorite. It was kind of a wash at that point uh, because nobody really knew what to expect of either of the teams. But we did go out to practice that day. We we all only watch a little bit of practice right. in season. So right. it was stretching. He was out there. So I yeah. immediately thought, you know what? That this can't be right. He was right. out there. He seemed fine, but it is what it I is. I'm glad. Moment, I'm glad that's in our rearview mirror. Right. Hopefully, we never have to deal with anything like that again, or anything that happened with last season. But well, that's why I excited. brought that up because from that moment forward, from that moment, that day that we found out, I I already I already fast forwarded to 2018 mm-hmm. because I started thinking about okay, what he showed us in six and a half games. J.J. Watt coming back, Whitney Merciless coming back. At that point, we didn't know Deontay Foreman, but obviously all those injuries. But I started thinking about just those three guys in particular coming back. Christian Covington got hurt in the Seattle game after playing pretty well. Hopefully he'll come back. So I started thinking at that point, okay, 2018 could be a year where it could be really fun to watch this team. Really, really fun to watch this team. So that's when I started looking forward to it. But being two weeks in a day – I'm I'm flying up on Tuesday to go up there, and I'm like, uh, do I have is everything ready? Oh my god, uh, I just I'm not I'm not quite there yet. Like Mentally, that part yeah. of it, <laughs> like I'm ready for training camp to get here. Don't get me wrong, I am so ready for it to be here. I need football in the worst way, but it's like, do I have all my eyes dotted, my T's crossed to make sure that I can get up there and get up? It's just. So many things going on, and my family's coming up there for a little bit. So I oh, gotta make sure. Nice. So I gotta make sure that every all my ducks are in a row. But that does start to, it does start to panic me a little bit. Like, okay, last year when they weren't coming up there, at least for the first couple weeks, it was like just pack my stuff in a bag and get me up there. 
And it was all new. It was all new to us. We had no idea what we were walking into. We did not know whatsoever. what to expect. I like this year's setup better, though. I like that we're only up there for two weeks, yeah. and then we'll have practice in Houston. Because I do I do miss the fan aspect of it. I don't yeah. miss the heat, but I do miss being in Houston. And I like that we do one preseason game and we're out of there. Because West Virginia, for three and a half, four weeks, Ooh. it started to drag. I mean, I know everybody talked about how great the weather was, and people in Houston were probably sick of us talking about how great the weather was. But after a while, it was. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to coming back to Houston. I was hugged and all kinds of people getting off the plane and they thought I was crazy because oh, we were we were excited to I leave was like, and head oh. back home. And, and the thing about it is it it's a great location. I am really happy to be going back. But you're right to go for a couple of weeks. A couple of if, weeks is fine. If you have if you Just don't know the schedule, the Texans will be going up on the 25th. That's the day that they report the report here, do their conditioning tests, do everything here, physicals, all that kind of stuff. Fly up, start practice on Thursday and that's where we'll have our first uh, Texans training camp uh, radio with me and Mark in the morning. DP will be on. Drew will be on. We'll have all kinds of guests. Last year we had Mike D'Antoni. We had the governor, Jim Justice, who was fantastic. We had NFL luminaries. We had NFL media on with us. We had all kinds of people on with us. So we'll have all that. We'll have Brian Gain on, the general manager, talk about the team as we did uh, have the general manager on last year. So we'll have all kinds of stuff for you. That'll start on Thursday. And that, that to me, that's like I, I, I love that day. And it's weird, though. The first day of training camp. Because when we get up there, we're on Eastern time, and then they, they'll practice a little later. So our radio show starts, and there's nothing going on. It's just Mark <laughs> and I looking at this I field of grass. Well, you get to watch, you get to watch uh, the defensive linemen and uh, eventually, four square. Yeah, eventually, but the first 45 minutes to an hour is just you know us you know, taking in the nice weather. But it's just so great to, to be there at that point and be set up and be ready to go and know that football practice is happening at that point. Uh, but that's that's in the rear view. So if you haven't been following too much, the Texans will go up there on 25th. They'll be up there till, and I believe the game with Kansas City is a Thursday night game. The game with Kansas City is August 9th. Right. So we'll leave on August 8th, head go to, straight Kansas to Kansas City. Kansas City. We'll play the game at Kansas City. Then we come back here, and then that following week, there'll mm-hmm. be joint practice with the 49ers because the game, the second preseason game is against the 49ers here at NRG Stadium. Then it's L.A., which that'll be a fun trip. Yeah, that'll From be a fun trip. From West Virginia to L.A. It's an afternoon game in L.A., which is a little, it's a little odd. You play it at night, play it in the early afternoon, but you play, I think it's like a 3 o'clock game. Local, oh, no, maybe, no, 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 I know what it is. It's a 1 o'clock game local time, but it's 3 o'clock here. So it'll be kind of like it was last year, but that'll be fun. I mean, I've only been to L.A. once, and it was that one time. But, I mean, this will be a quick trip. It's like last year. You stay in a hotel for a night, and then you come on back. And but then- I do I do think that the training camp month will go a lot faster because it's broken up so much. It seemed like right. last year, getting to that Charlotte game, it seemed like it took an eternity to get to that Panthers game. After that had we come home, I think it would have it been, been like, perfect. Right. <laughs> it would have been fine. But I think the players, I think everybody was, was very happy to get home. Yeah, I, I think so, too. So, Looking forward to that. DB, you you and I were talking before we started the show about guys that are going to be key at the Greenbrier. And one of the, the pictures sort of making its way around the Internet I thought was, was pretty interesting. And also to see people's reaction to it was one of Will Fuller, the fifth. Yeah, I'm actually going to write something, a quick something. So if you're not on Instagram, you'll be able to see that. Yeah. Plus, uh his picture, because I think you have to see the picture to know what right. we're talking about. But he posted a picture with Equinemius, 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 St. Brown. The two of them played one season together at Notre Dame, right. 2015, I'm guessing, because yep. he was a first-run draft pick this year with the Green Bay Packers. So the two of them are out there working out. And Wolf Fuller looks noticeably bigger 
he made a comment about it in the caption as well. So I know it's something that we had talked about with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien has mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, we got to keep him healthy, uh, Will Fuller, because he's had the hamstring issues. Yep. He's very His frame is slight, so maybe that's just how he'll be. But it seems like he's taken it upon himself to put on a little bit more muscle bulk up a little bit. How will that affect his speed? I think uh, we'll find out. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's it's good for him as far as his stature because we've seen a lot of the wide receivers over time sort of bulk up a little bit. Yeah. I think DeAndre Hopkins, to me, looks bigger than he was when, when I first saw him in 2013 as well. Yeah, I think there are – it's interesting, the, the Equinemius-St. Brown angle, if if you're wondering. Equinemius was he, – he, He's already pretty big. Unfortunately, what ended up happening is when Will went to the NFL, Nick Martin graduated, and that offense took a bunch of hits. Ronnie Stanley left uh, or graduated, and so he went to the NFL. Nick Martin went to the NFL with Fuller. They lost a, a lot of firepower. And so literally that all that was left was Equinemius St. Brown at wide receiver. And so he had a really good 2016 for the most part with Deshaun Kaiser. In 2017, it was kind of up and down, and so it really didn't help his cause. But Equinemius St. Brown's dad is John Brown. And if you are a bodybuilding aficionado, you know that John Brown was a world champion, multi-time world champion in bodybuilding. And the pictures are unbelievable in the late 80s, early 90s, I believe. Maybe maybe his early 90s, mid-90s, when, he, when his reign. Will, working out with them, more than likely working out with former world champion bodybuilder, John Brown. Well, last year in training camp, Will actually broke his collarbone the day that I left camp. I came back for a few days to take care of some stuff here. It was Mm -hmm. my son's birthday. I had some radio stuff that I wanted to do here um, uh, and then get back. So I took a a little, a quick little break and I thought I should have never left because I left and we had all these injuries happen. And then we didn't see receivers. We didn't see Will Fuller. I went back and it was like Bruce Ellington. It was a whole new batch of receivers that had shown up, uh, which turned out well for the Texans. But you know, to see Will Fuller go down like that, that was tough. Well, I, I, it's interesting because the very first thing I thought about when I saw that picture was that collarbone injury. Mm-hmm. And when you think about Will and you think about his slight stature, that's that's the first thing that stood out was hopefully, you know, look, collarbone injuries can happen to the, to the strongest guys. I mean, it, it can happen to anybody, really, just depending on how you land, where you get hit, how you get spun around, how you can brace yourself, all that kind of stuff. And to me, last last year was Will went up to make a catch, and it was probably a catch that Will this year, and probably as the season wore on last year, he probably goes up and trusts his hands a little bit more. But he tried to body catch it, and because of that, he was he kind of jumped higher than he should have, as opposed to just going up and snatching it up here. He tried to body catch it, and because he did, he kind of got undercut. And, uh, away you go. But when you see him built like that, much stronger, and obviously DPU put the story out. Uh, on HoustonTexas.com, you'll definitely want to read it. But you can tell that he has taken that to heart, and that's good. And he's working – you talk about putting muscle on, he's working probably with the best guy he possibly could in John Brown, uh, the bodybuilder, uh, who is the father of Equinemius St. Brown, a former teammate at Notre Dame. So that's good. That's good. I love the comments, too. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins writes, bodybuilder will – <laughs> Real J. Joe's got the muscle emojis. DJ Reader, uh, Aaron Colvin, a lot, a lot of his teammates giving him a lot of props for that, too. Well, it's he's nice such a key piece, DP, this year in that, and, and we talk about this on the broadcast, we talk about on and off the air, the three of us, Andre, Mark, and myself. He's got the type of speed that is, it's so, it's explosively smooth. It's, 
you you can feel like you're running with him as a DB, and then all of a sudden he's five yards ahead of you. And they're like, wait, where did that gear come from? It's like he's got this other gear where he can just go by you. And we started to see that payoff last year, especially with Deshaun. And there were times that Deshaun missed him that I think it was in the Titans game. He had he had Will with about a yard on the safety. He had gotten past the corner and the safety. And Deshaun missed him just barely. But he has that such easy speed. He can change the whole complexion of this offense, him being healthy in 2018 and beyond, obviously. And it, and it will be nice to have the both of them on the field together, Deshaun and Will, because w- if you remember, when, when Will went down, yep. he didn't have time to work with Deshaun Watson. Right. It's like they were they were working on the sidelines when Will wasn't 100. He was cleared to do a few things, right. but not practice with the team. So what little time they had, they developed what chemistry they had with yep. Will catching all those touchdowns. This year in training camp and with the entire uh, OTAs behind us, I think they'll. It, it'll be so much better for the both of them. It was four weeks. If you think about it, it was four was weeks out. because was Will came back. Game it was the, the Tennessee first game. First game that he was back. Yeah, it was five weeks, four games. That's all they had together. That's all they had. That's amazing to think about. His catch to touchdown ratio was pretty pretty nice too. The nice thing about <laughs> it, I would think for Deshaun too, is I, I cannot throw this guy. We talked about that with Deshaun a little bit, but I'd like to get him in a quiet moment and say. When you throw the ball to Fuller, do you just throw it as far as you can? <laughs> I mean, I would imagine. I would. He'll, I would just, he'll end up there. I would just throw it as far as I could. And Give him a chance. Especially if I've taken my drop and I, it's, I haven't gotten rid of the ball immediately. I just got to throw it as far as I can and give him a chance because he'll run and go get it. There have been a couple of deep balls, and as I've seen them in the air, I'm like, there's not a chance. And he almost gets to them. Right. Almost gets there. You add that element to this offense consistently 16 games. There's no telling what they're going to be able to and do. And I think he's so important now. I wonder, Johnny, if we see less of him on returns as a returner. Because now you got Kiki QT. I agree. You almost don't even want to put him in that position to get hurt. Keep him healthy. Keep him your number two next to DeAndre Hopkins. And then go from there. And now you've built up your special teams. You've added all these other players yep. on special teams that you don't need to put Will Fuller in that position. You know, Will's not, Will's not a punt returner in college. He ran one pump back, and I think that was out of necessity. And that's really what he's done the last couple of years. He's actually turned into a pretty decent punt returner. But I'm with you. I think he's become too valuable in the offense to even take a chance, especially if you have other guys back there. If you have Tyler Irvin back healthy, if you have Kiki QT, you have a couple of guys that have done it before and are comfortable doing it, as opposed to Will, who's doing it and kind of learning on the fly where, you know, how he should go. But there have been some pretty good returns he's had. I think part of that is the, sh- the sheer speed. His speed. His and speed and, like, stop and stop and start and go back the other way and find something. I think it's going to be fascinating. This just hit me. In that game against the Patriots last year, there was no, there's no Will Fuller. How will the Patriots go about covering mm. Fuller and Hopkins and all the receiving options this year? I'm, I'm really curious to see how the Patriots. That game, I'm obviously I'm excited about it. I'm nervous about it to start off the year, but I'm curious to see how the Patriots attack the Texans defensively, like what they do defensively against the Texans, because I think they're going to try and take away certain things. And now I think if everybody's healthy going in, as we hope. They'll have answers. They'll have responses. Whereas when you took DeAndre Hopkins out of the offense in maybe 15 or 16, you didn't really know where you were going to go. Well, last year when they wanted to double Hopkins, Deshaun fought, found Ryan Griffin. He fought Bruce Ellington. Right. He still found his open re- receiver. And now you add Will Fuller to it. 
You're that's right. Be that's fun. a good point. He did. They didn't. They didn't have to cover him last year. No, didn't have to. And it's it week even... one, so if everybody stays healthy through West Virginia training camp, fingers crossed. DB. That's going to be a great week one. Matchup. DP, fingers crossed. Fingers DP, thank you very much. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, Drew Dory is going to stop by. We haven't talked in a while. We will talk with Dear Drew. Texas TV next, right here on Texas All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be back in our digs in the ditch, as my next guest calls it. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. Joining me now is that guest, the aforementioned star of Dear Drew, star of Texans 360. He is Drew Doherty. John, don't forget, former host of Lady Raider Basketball with oh, Marcia Sharp. I always well. forget that, and I should never. And Red Raider Baseball with Larry Hayes. And co-host and originator of In Lab Podcast. Yeah, that's our that's our baby. We're going to get that's back good. on that yep. this week because we've been on vacation. I uh, They shut the offices down last week, and then Completely I took the week down. before off, used some of my vacation days, and... Uh, yeah, it's been on hiatus for two two weeks, but we've got uh, we got some good stuff coming. So up. two weeks you've been off. How's it feel to be back in the office today? Feels good. It's like the first day of school because, in addition to just coming back from being two weeks off, we're all in new offices. Yeah. In that we've jiggled the offices. Yeah. So I'm kind of unpacking boxes, putting stuff up, and rearranging things. It's a different beast. So I'm. Uh, yeah, I feel like a dog walking on its hind legs. Yeah, know? and there's some things that are in, in our offices that probably weren't meant to be there. Yeah. And there's one thing in particular in your office yeah. that uh, it's about, I find sort of fascinating. It's about a 10-foot uh, by 8-foot basically whiteboard, yeah. and it's got the Texans current, well, I would say depth chart as of like mid to late April. Yeah. And I'd say mid-May, yeah. mid-May depth chart right after the draft. Little mag- Little magnets for all the different positions. It's got their agents' names on it. It's got their... Height, weight, vertical. It's got everything. Everything. Where they were drafted. On, you could put that on social media. It makes money. Uh, I don't know about money, but I'd make some noise. Yes, you I would. Be, I'm uh, not going to do that, though, because I'm a company man. I, no, you know. I know. I know you are, and yeah. I, I expect you to be uh, nothing but. Now, speaking of company man, yeah. Mark Vandermeer, before, while you were on vacation, mm-hmm. and I actually was on vacation at the end of that first week, and then we were out next week, last week. We had summer celebration. We had a lot of great stuff. We played... One day, I played our entire in the lab from the the draft that we did it was of awesome. yeah, that was Texas fun. of NFL players from Texas University. I, we got some interesting responses. Somebody somebody sent us. I can't remember uh, who the running back was. Tomlinson, Ladanian Tomlinson. Now somebody else sent one. Maybe to me. I can't remember who it was, but they sent one to me, and I just went. Hey, gosh, I wish I I wish I could remember who it was. But they sent me the name of running back, and I went, really? Tomlinson, Dick Dickerson, Campbell. Oh, Ricky Williams. Yeah. Ricky Williams. I was like, look, Ricky, you know, great running back. Great think, college running back. I think he had a really good NFL career. Yeah. But. I think people are confusing, though. Like, right. They, they thought. Yeah, and Ricky Williams, yeah, you would probably have to have him there college-wise, right. obviously. But and what they did to the pros. Far, he's not too far behind those guys as a, no. as a pro, but he's not. I, Ricky's not going to the Hall of Fame. No, I mean, when Dickerson retired, he was second all-time right. in rushing yards. Uh, with Danny and Tomlinson, what, right. Emmett Smith, is that the only guy that scored more touchdowns I than him? so, yeah. I mean, Jerry Rice. And then Earl Campbell, he didn't have the longevity of those other two, but 
he was just like a comet when he played. I mean, he, yeah. was, he won an MVP. So You definitely yeah. want to go check out In the Lab. Here's the other thing that I did over the break per your suggestion, and I suggested it to Bill O'Brien, so we'll test and see whether he did his homework too. I finished Crime Town. Holy cow, that's Providence, a great Rhode Island. Yeah. I tip my hat to the boys over at Jim and Girls at Jimlet Media because this podcast, Crime Town, as well as their RFK tapes. I just started. I had to finish Crime Town first. For those of you who don't. Holy cow. Providence, Rhode Island. I didn't know anything about it. First of all, that's where Brown University is. So that's where I I I knew that. I went to college. And you and Eric San Asensio, our social media guru, said that I should I should listen to this. I told him. About and that. you told me and you were like, Hey Buddy Sansi I was like, Oh Buddy used to he used to come hang out at a, a place on campus. Well we talked about that with Bill <laughs> O'Brien. He's like, Yeah, I had a beer with Buddy Sansi And so it's fascinating it's because really- it goes it, it goes in depth with Buddy Sansi I mean in the city of Houston you think about the mayors that we've had. Think 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 of Sylvester Turner and May and just think of every wrong thing a mayor could do. That was Buddy Cianci, mm-hmm. beloved by the city of Providence. Yeah. And when I got there, it was interesting because I got there in the 90s, and the big organized crime wave had, I don't want to say come to an end, but was pretty close mm-hmm. at that point. But to learn about the city of Providence prior to when I got there, it's but then to, to see the things that happened when I was there that I really just had no idea what I know. Going I've thought on. about you a lot when well, I listened to this because you were there during a lot of this stuff going yeah. down. And it's it's pretty interesting. Like, there was a big – there was a run on the banks. You know, like, in yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. You know, there were right some banks that failed. I mean, people lost all their money. And uh, I'm not laughing at that. That's horrible. But that went down. That happened while you were there. So what's What's fascinating to me is – why those things happened, and and I think about I think about that, and obviously, once you got to the, once they tell the story of how you got there, like oh man, a bunch of crooked people, mm-hmm. you find out you know things after the fact. I remember when California was having brownouts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you realize oh that was all because the people at Enron were yeah you know were were doing some shady things and causing the whole state of California like oh my gosh that was a result of that, and so it Bonkers. was interesting to find. The, the why as to the things that are going on. So those are some uh, those are some podcasts you can listen to, but definitely put in the lab at the top of the list. Now, mm-hmm. back to Mark Vandermeer. Let's do it. When we were out, that day he decided to, on all access, come up with his top ten plays in Texans history. It's a daunting task. Yeah. It's a daunting task. And obviously he has called every single play of every single game you got in the building in 2009. Yep. I got in the building in 2014, started covering the team in 2007. So mm-hmm. anything to me prior to 2007, I'm a little fuzzy on. Yeah. For you, I know be prior to 2009, you followed, but it's probably the same. Yeah. Probably a little I, fuzzy. I wasn't in it like I have been. You know, right. I wasn't employed by a team, so it's it's kind of moments. And right. I, was living, I wasn't living. I was living in, in Houston, so I couldn't watch every game. Right. It wasn't on all the time because I lived in Dallas. And I was living in Lubbock, right. and a lot of times they wouldn't show Texans games. They'd show only Cowboys games right. or whatever. So, anyways. You got stuck with that. Yeah. That said. Show Broncos a bunch. I feel like I feel like there are a couple of missteps. Number one, this is the one that stood out to me more than anything else. The top of the list for me. Top of the list for you. For me, there is no mention 
of Brandon Whedon to Jalen Strong yeah. to beat the Colts in Indianapolis. And I think that's very, very big and very kind of – it made me scratch my chin because I would have – I would have thought Vandermeer would have had that in his top five. Yeah, because I he, so too. he harped on that time and time and time yes. again about the Texans' inability to win in Indianapolis. Right. And then finally it gets snapped by two guys who probably, you know, aren't going to go down in Texans lore as, as uh, you know, Titans like J.J. Watt and Andre right. Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now, Brandon Whedon did a nice job, and he's been perfect in his time as a Texan. Right. And Jalen Strong, all he did was score touchdowns against the Colts. <laughs> He's the Colts killer. But, yeah, I would have thought that would have been in Vandermeer's top five. It didn't for make sure. It. Didn't crack it. And if it. that one didn't make it, I thought for sure the next year when Clowney had the sack on Andrew Luck. That was a play of the season. I thought that would have For the entire made. Texans team, that strip sack. I thought, it, I thought that yeah, play would have made it. I was with you. Neither one of those plays. Now, you had, a, you had fault with number one. Well, I did not listen to the podcast, but I, like, when I saw him tweet it out, mm-hmm. I saw him tweet out that it's the top ten plays in Texan history. So I – Quote tweeted and said, the line forms behind J.J. Watt's playoff pick six. Right. You know, and, and I just left it at that. Cause Everything that, is – everything's after that. That's first. That's that's it for me. I mean, I, his pick six will still be – it's, it's going to take a lot to beat that. You know, and I think it can be beaten sure. with the guy we got under center now. Sure. But the Watt pick six was number one for me. He had the, the, the T.J. Yates to Kevin Walter touchdown at Cincinnati – to clinch the first playoff spot. Very deserving. Certainly in the top three, but I still put the Watt pick six ahead of it. Yeah, I would have put the I, – I, I'm with you on the Watt pick six. I think the Watt pick six is definitely – And he, I know his argument is, well, the Watt pick six doesn't, doesn't happen, happen without – you don't have that one. But you know what? I mean, that you could say the Declaration of Independence doesn't get signed if uh, they don't have the right pen. You know, right. I mean, you could say stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I, don't, I don't go into that. I, I'm with you. In, uh, when we did – this is a couple of years ago. We did a bracket of the greatest plays uh-huh. in Texans history. Love it. The the fans chose J.J. Watts, pick six. And they're right. As number one. Fans are right. They also picked, I believe, Andre Johnson's catch against Washington as number two. That's not a bad choice either. Now, I think the way we had the bracket set up, Watts pick six bumped out Yates to Walter. Now, listen, that, that play is a top. It might be number two to me. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think number one right now is J.J. Watt's pick six. I think top ten plays are coming over the next couple of years. And as soon as one of those ends up being a, a game-breaking or game-changing touchdown in a Super Bowl, it goes to number one almost automatically. But when you think about the Watt pick six and everything that transpired after that, J.J. Watt went from being, hey, man, this guy's playing pretty well as a rookie to all of a sudden becoming Superstar. this force that took over the NFL from that point forward. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting you bring this up. Right before the break, I did an event here across the street at the Houston Methodist Training Center with J.J. It was a Q&A mm-hmm. for about 50, 60 people, and we talked about that play, and he said, you know, things kind of changed. But he said his better game that season was actually the next week against the Ravens. Oh, and yeah. if you go back yeah, and yeah, think yeah. about it, That's true. that was a – that was a defensive. I mean, it it was a pitcher's duel basically, and yeah. I I mean, people won't people poo poo it because they say oh it's too bad. Those defenses were tremendous yeah, that they day. Were. I mean, they and they were they each had their fastball going, and uh, yeah, you're right. Also, just in that game, Texans are kind of listless at that point. He scores, they take the lead, 
And from then on, it felt like a party, like a yeah. celebration the, the second half. Yeah, and Arian was great in the second half. He sure was, yeah. But that that pick, and, and it they NFL Network during the break was running, uh, or actually I saw this, NFL Network has it on their, their app um, with Game Pass. You can get different things with the mm-hmm. Game Pass. And so I have Game Pass, obviously, so I can watch all the different games and watch all 22 and stuff like that. And so they had sound effects, and so I'm rolling through and seeing what they've got, and they had the best – they had the best of J.J. Watt, mm-hmm. and it really was from his rookie year through 20, like like halfway through 2014. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of it was like 12 and, and 13, but they showed that 2011 piece. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it to me is it's such a remarkable play. Oh, If you think about a defensive lineman he jumping a, up. He caught a fastball at point-blank range. I, I know. Yeah. And then, of course, racing the end zone. And there was nobody at that point that was going to catch him because Dalton was, was, was in behind the line and was getting rushed from somewhere. But it's a phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal athletic play. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, the thing we miss is that, yes, it – we, we we have that photo somewhere in our building of him scoring and he's celebrating. Yeah. And it's like, okay, at that moment, things things really did change for him because he came back in 2012 and was just – was out. unblockable. But they, the thing about it was in this sound effects, most of it was 12 and 13 that they showed. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to watch him in 12 and 13, how quick he was, how fast he was. Yeah. Even if he gets to 75% of that this year, just that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he'll be better. He gets to 75, huge, 80%. Huge for his defense. Massive. Huge because it, it changes the way quarterbacks and offenses are able to operate. Absolutely. I mean, I mean absolutely. And, so it, much, and it helps your back end out so much more. You pair him up with Clowney. Yeah. You pair him up with Merciless. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not we're not going down any, any road that we haven't talked about before. But, yeah, it's – man, that, that play for me, it just – that's number one. I thought that play should have been number one. I thought Jalen Strong, Brandon Whedon and Jalen Strong against the Colts. See, we weren't here to to kind of write him of his wrongs in some sense, but no. you know he is pretty stubborn, so he's. I'd put he's those two. Team. I'd put the Dre touchdown at Washington. I'd put I'd put the Walter TD. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I'd I'd have uh, I don't know if he'd had us in the top five, but I'd have either Seth Payne, Gary Walker sack to to oh, get Quincy Carter. Car. Yeah, I'd probably put that one in there that. That sealed the win in, in 02. Of course, you know the Billy Miller touchdown. That's a sentimental one. That's the first one. I get that. Yeah. I understand that. But um, that's kind of like getting the first hit, you know, in, yeah. a, in a new stadium. I I like the the, the sealer, you know. The, yeah, I like the yeah. That, it delivered the victory. That's true. I, I'm I'm more that way too. But you know that that play, Billy Miller's got to be there. But I think at the time, in the time since I've been covering since 2007, the Watt pick six, the Walter the Walter catch, the Dre the Dre touchdown is the one that I. Jump off my couch and awesome. went crazy. Uh-huh. That's the one that I went absolutely berserk and crazy. Um, I I was trying to think: is there an Arian Foster moment in there? But I don't know if there's a particular play. The one I remember is the 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 rush he had against the Bengals, where he's going on the sideline, pushing the guy the whole way. Yeah, yeah, Chris Crocker, he just shoves him out of the way. That's a great one. But that that was more. That was more kind of the, the icing on the cake, yeah, and not not the finishing move. The I finishing got, move had already been they'd already been landed early in that game with JJ's pick six. One of my favorites of Arians all time was the touchdown catch he had at Chicago because yes, that's a great both those one. teams were seven and one going on to Sunday Night Football, and I think that was the only touchdown scored in the game. Another defensive you yep. know slugfest, but uh, yeah, that was that was a heck of a catch, and he 
stayed in bounds and that would have gathered the ball in. That was a big, big play. That's my one qualm with not having JJ number one with that play, that pick six, and then no mention of the two Colts road games. I, yeah. I would have, I would have sworn he would have put those in there. I know. I would have sworn, but then again, but, uh, pretty, pretty good job. I give him a B plus. Yeah, I, it's Vandermeer. He's he gets he gets that pass because he's been here since the beginning. No, so. you're right about that, Drew. Yeah. Appreciate it, brother. Anytime. As Drew mentioned, we have been away from the building for a while. A lot has happened in the NFL and some things going on today. Actually, we'll break those down going around the league next right here in Texas Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. So glad to be back with you. Oh, I can't even tell you. Vacation is great. Being away from the building, getting some time away, it's great. Don't get me wrong. But, oh, man, I love being back on the radio, being back with two weeks. Two weeks tomorrow, I take out for the Greenbrier and the team will follow the very next day. So excited for training camp to take place. So much going on. It's fun to break down the greatest plays in team history. I'll tell you what one play that will never be at the top of that list. And it's funny because Drew and I actually talked about that Ravens playoff game in 2011. I was doing a national radio show at the time. And that, that night, going on into early morning Monday, it was my first show back on the air after the weekend. And, of course, it was after the Texans had lost that game to the Ravens. And one of my – it actually became kind of a kind of an audio meme, if you will. Because if you remember in that game, unfortunately, Jacoby Jones headbutted a punt. Texans had gone on, scored, stopped the Ravens, were getting the ball back. And Jacoby decided to field the ball inside the 5-10 yard line, and I lost it. I lost it because the game turned right there. The Ravens, I think, then scored like three of their next four drives – and that was that essentially gave them enough space that they could play the way they wanted to play that year. They weren't they they weren't going to blow you out of the water with the offense, but they had enough space to kind of keep the Texans at bay. And the Texans obviously got back in it, and it's a fascinating second half to watch because the defenses are just incredible. But in that game, obviously Jacoby Jones has that that will go down in one one of the top ten worst plays. There've been a few of those. Rosencopter, that's one I can think of. Uh, the Hail Mary pass in 2010. Yeah, we did the worst. Oh, I don't even. I don't even want to go down that. But I bring up Jacoby Jones because of this. Last night I was on NFL Network and I was watching the new AFFL, the American Flag Football League, and it it was almost almost mesmerizing. I spent most of the time trying to figure out which players were out there and who they were and, oh, yeah, I remember him, and, oh, yeah, I remember him. So as the game is going on and Godspeed is playing hold at, they came up with the names. Godspeed had quarterback Seneca Wallace, Jason Avant, wide receiver. Charles James played in that team as well. And so as I'm watching, I see this, what looks to be kind of a tight end type go across the formation, and – I'm like, well, you know, I didn't hear the guy at first. And then 
when they did the replay, they're like, yeah, Jacoby Jones went in motion. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones and Charles James playing on the same team, the Godspeed team, led by Seneca Wallace, who has been fabulous. They That was so much fun to watch them play, and Seneca was dealing. And then he was running. He was outstanding. The other player who made a mark in the American Flag Football League, Flag Football League, yeah, was Gerard Johnson. Now, Gerard's somebody I've gotten to know over the last few years. He, you'd heard him on Sports Radio 610. He... They, I'm trying. He is on the team with Ocho Cinco, with Chad Johnson. They beat Michael Vick's team in, and the way they've got this set up, they had four, prof, four former professional teams, so guys that had played in the league before. So Michael Vick, Taj Boyd, Jason Avant, wide receiver, Jacoby Jones, a number of players, names that you would recognize. Javid Best, who played, was a first-round draft pick of the Lions in 2010, the same year Kareem Jackson was drafted first round of the Texans. Javid Best, at the bottom of that round, was taken and selected by the Detroit Lions. Concussions and head injuries forced him to step away from the game. He had a couple of bad hits, one at the end of his career in Cal, and then one in the league, maybe a couple of them in the league, and he had to step away from the game early. He was outstanding. They were outstanding. But Seneca Wallace was leading the team. Godspeed uh, over that. It is uh, outstanding. Well, the other matchup, it was Team Ocho Cinco and then Michael Vick's team. And Gerard Johnson went nuts. He made throws better than any throw that I've seen him make at a and Obviously, it's flag football. I get that. But, man, he was outstanding. He was really, really good. So, congratulations to Gerard, a, a resident. I don't know if he still is, but I know he's from Humble, Texas, went to AM, and uh, has been around the league for, for a while. You talk about a smart dude. I expect Gerard Johnson to be coaching, if not playing in the league at some point. I wish he would get another shot. I wish somebody would give him another shot, but it just hasn't come. But the American Flag Football League is those four teams, and the ones they've had at NFL Network have been the games between the former pros. But there's another side of the bracket that has got the, I don't know if you want to call them the regular Joes, if you will, is the, guy, the guys that have not played in the NFL. And they've got, I believe it's a 16-team bracket, and they're whittling their way down. They're going to have a, a non-pro and the kind of the regular Joes and the pros, basically, they're going to meet. So the two professional teams, the four, the four flag football teams that consisted of professionals, they played. They'll have one more game to, fi- to figure out who's going to play in the finals. But to watch these teams that play flag football with regularity, it's impressive. My goodness. It's a really fun product to watch. So if you get a chance, go check that out. And speaking of football products, Indoor Football League, congratulations to a former Texan, Marcus Coleman who is a coach for the Iowa Barnstormers of the United Football League. Used to be the Arena League. Now it's called the United Football League. They won a championship over the weekend. Marcus Coleman, you remember him, good buddy of ours. Got to know Marcus after he left or retired from the Texans. He came over to our radio station a lot, did a lot of radio with us. One of the best guys I knew. Congratulations to Marcus Coleman and the Iowa Barnstormers of the United Football League. So there's football going on all the time. And then, of course, you got the CFL where you got Johnny Manziel not playing right now because Jeremiah Mazzoli, formerly of Oregon and Ole Miss, is crushing it, crushing it right now for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So, and if you want some, if you want to watch some fun football, watch the CFL. The CFL is outstanding. It's so much fun to watch. All right, let's get to some things around the league. I this one happened last Monday, and I thought about whether I should actually drive back into 
the, to the building to to talk about this, and I thought, well, we'd already kind of talked about this, and it really was just the appeal. But Julian Edelman lost his appeal to the league. He will serve that four-game suspension up front for the Patriots. Now, later today, if not tomorrow, I think it's actually going to be tomorrow, my Know Your Foe series is going to be coming out. I'll do a breakdown of all the opponents in chronological order. So the Patriots will come up first. They'll be the first one. And I did that yes, uh, I did that during a, uh, during a break, looking at the Patriots, and then the Edelman stuff broke, and I wrote that assuming that the appeal would, uh, would be denied. And I started thinking about, man, the Patriots, no Cooks, no Edelman, no Amandola. And you think about the receivers that Brady's going to be throwing to that day. Jordan Matthews, new to the team. Philip Dorsett, who has really been a bust, if you will, just kind of a bit player with the Patriots after being traded there for Jacoby Brissett. You've got Chris Hogan, obviously. He's going to be the, the man from a wide receiver standpoint. But other than that, Cordero Patterson, one of the problems with the Minnesota Vikings was that Patterson could never learn the offense. That was one of the biggest problems of him getting on the field. So if he can't learn the offense in Minnesota, how's he going to learn it in New England? It's very complex. So that's going to be a major issue. So he's throwing to those guys, and then, of course, he's got his running backs. Now, one of those running backs is going to be a new, he's rookie, Sonny Michel, but Julian Edelman's appeal was denied last Monday, and that means that Edelman will not only miss the Texans game, but he will also miss the rematch of the AFC Championship against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Two games. Look, or he gets suspension for four games, but missing those two key games, Texans pull off the upset up in New England. Jaguars get the win. That knocks the Patriots down to two and two, maybe at best to start without Edelman. That would be nice. It would be nice. It would nice. It would be nice to see the Patriots have to go on the road at some point. At some point. Uh, in the playoffs to have to try and defend every every time that they've gone to the Super Bowl with the exception of 04 and 01 I think every other time it has gone through New England if I if I remember correctly 2011 it did 2014 it did 2016 it did 2017 it did every time they went to the Super Bowl it was going through New England especially in the last the last few years it's gone through New England so Get them away from New England. Now, it's not as if they haven't won and haven't gone to the Super Bowl, but those are early. Those are early in the Brady years. They won in 01 at Pittsburgh. They won in 04 at Pittsburgh. And that's the only place they've won on the road to get to a Super Bowl, if, if my math is correct. They lost in Denver a couple of years ago. So get the Patriots on the road. It'd be kind of nice. But you need some help from the AFC East to be able to do that. Now, maybe the Jets can provide some help found this one interesting. Josh McCown was asked about Sam Darnold, draft pick by the Jets. There's a great article in MMQB about Sam Darnold and the Jets' pursuit of Sam Darnold and that Mike McCagney used to be with the Texans. He knew all along that Sam Darnold was his guy. Well, Josh McCown, who's fighting for time with uh, Sam Darnold and also Teddy Bridgewater, says, oh yeah, with Sam, we have the right guy. Now, the Texans don't play the Jets till later in the season, middle of December. My guess is Sam Darnold will be the starting quarterback. The question for the Jets is, when does Sam Darnold become the starting quarterback? I would think second week in December, absolutely. Second week in September, 
that might be a little early considering what they've got in Bridgewater and what they've got in Josh McCown. But I would imagine at some point they've got to flip it over to Sam Darnold to see whether Josh McCown is right, that Sam Darnold is the right guy for that organization. DeMarco Murray is still out there and interesting. No longer a Titan. The Titans decided to go with Derrick Henry and then signed Deion Lewis. Now, Murray, a little long in the tooth, had a great 2016 with Tennessee. 2017, not as great. Ran into some injury issues, but still out there on the market. And if I'm him, I wait at this point, wait until you get to training camp and wait for a team's running back to, you know, a running back that they think is going to be available, not available. Maybe the depth chart isn't what they think it's going to be. Could that be in Houston? Maybe? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. But DeMarco Murray, first year in a spot. Dallas, very good. Now, Philadelphia, I just write that off. That was a horrible. That was, that was horrible for Murray on so many different levels. Tennessee, first year, very, very good. Could he summon that up in one year someplace? I would, Im- I would imagine he could do that. I don't know that Texas would be in a market for a running back unless they think that Deontay Foreman's not going to be able to make it back sooner than later. And my hope, my hope, and I think everybody in this building's hope, is that he's going to be back sooner or later. Then it won't be an issue. you got Lamar Miller. you got Deontay Foreman. Uh, you've got Tyler Irvin coming back who can play receiver running back. you got Alfred Blue who you signed to a one-year deal. So you've got, you've got depth at that position if you got Deontay Foreman coming back. Now, if, if it looks like Foreman's not going to be able to go right away or it's going to take him some weeks, I don't know, maybe kicking the tires on DeMarco Murray and seeing what he's got. Maybe that's an option. I don't know that I would jump all the way into that bucket, but maybe in a short term, maybe in a pinch, maybe see what you got. Maybe you realize he's got a little bit more in the tank than everybody thinks he possibly has, but DeMarco Moore is still out there on the market. Probably, I would think at this point, going to wait until after training camp uh, to figure out where he is going to spend the next few years of his career, or maybe just a year. They say about running backs, they age in dog years. I don't know. I think I was the one who said that, but either way, Appreciate you guys listening tonight. Thanks to DP. Thanks to Drew. So glad to be back with you. Full time tomorrow night. We'll have more for you. I talked to Drew a little bit off air about this flag football league, and we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow as well. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.